This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. For this Sunday, I have a different kind of reflection for you. A couple of months ago, I featured the first dream of St. John Bosco. It was a very well-known dream of his. He had numerous dreams of Our Lady, and I will have for you here in a moment his one of his more famous dream of the shepherdess. If you're not familiar with it, I think you'll enjoy this. However, it's good to know about St. John Bosco that he was a missionary priest and he was known for building churches and Catholic schools. He's a great hero of the faith that is strangely overlooked in our times by many of the laity. So I hope to fix that a little bit. Anyway, St. John Bosco's Dream of the Shepherdess, which comes to us from his personal memoirs. Specifically, if you're looking, you can go find his biographical memoirs online. They're all over the place. In that year, 1841, since my pastor was without an assistant, I served as one for five months. I found a great pleasure in this work. I preached every Sunday, visited those who needed visiting because they were homebound, and administered the sacraments, but I did not hear confessions, as I was not yet authorized to do so. I conducted funeral services, kept the parish records in order, and issued certificates as required. But my greatest delight was teaching catechism to the children, passing the time with them, and talking to them. They often came from Rialdo to visit me, and whenever I walked home, they thronged around me. Also in Castle Nuevo, the youngsters began to make friends with me and seek my company. Whenever I left the rectory, I was escorted by a crowd of boys who followed me wherever I went. Now, as an aside, that's some context for his time in one of his uh, mission fields, one of his first stops in his, um, we'll say, apostolic journey, I guess you could say. And now the dream of the shepherdess. On the second Sunday of that year, 1844, I was to tell my boys that the oratory was being transferred to the Valdocho area. I was, however, truly worried because I was uncertain about the exact location, the means and the people to help me. On Saturday night, I had a new dream, which seemed to be a sequel to the one I had at Beshi when I was about nine years old. I think it best to put it down literally. I dreamed that I was in the midst of a multitude of wolves, goats, kids, lambs, sheep, rams, dogs, and birds. The whole menagerie raised an uproar, a bedlam, or better, a racket, that would have frightened even the bravest man. I wanted to run away when a lady dressed as a shepherdess beckoned me to follow her and accompany the strange flock she was leading. We wandered aimlessly, making three stops along the way, at each of which many of those animals changed into lambs, so that the number of lambs continually increased. After a long trek, I found myself in a meadow, where those animals were grazing and frolicking, making no attempt to bite each other. <laughs> I was exhausted and wanted to sit by the roadside, but the shepherdess invited me to keep walking. A short distance away, I came upon a large playground sur surrounded by porticos, with a church at one end. Here I noticed that four-fifths of those animals had become lambs. Their number was now very large. At that moment, many young shepherds came to watch over them, but they remained only a short time and walked off. Then a marvelous thing happened. Many lambs turned into shepherds, and they took care of the flock. When the shepherds became too many, they parted and went elsewhere to herd other strange animals into pens. I wanted to leave because I thought it was time for me to say mass, but the shepherdess asked me to look to the south. On doing so, I saw a field into which maize, potatoes, cabbage, beets, lettuce, and many other vegetables had been planted. Look again, she said. 
I did so, and I beheld a monumental church. In the choir loft, I saw choristers and musicians who seemed to be inviting me to sing Mass. On a white streamer inside the church, there was emblazoned in large letters, Hic domus mea, inde gloria mea. This is my house. From here my glory will go forth. Still dreaming, I asked the shepherdess where I was, and the meaning of all this walking, the stops, that house, the church, and then another church. You will understand everything, she said, when with your bodily eyes you will behold all that you now see in your mind. I thought I was awake, and so I said, I see clearly, and with my bodily eyes. I know where I am going and what I am doing. Just then, the bell of St. Francis of Assisi Church rang the Ave Maria, and I awoke. The dream lasted nearly the whole night, and there were many other details. At that time, I understood little of it because, distrusting myself, I put little faith in it. As things gradually began to take shape, I began to understand. In fact, later on, this dream, together with another, formed the basis of my planning while at the refugio. Clearly, St. John Bosco was having dreams of Our Lady. And I have a second dream from it for him on from Our Lady here for you from St. John Bosco. And in it is sort of the, he has a dream of right ordered obedience tied to Our Lady. I hope you enjoy this and I hope you find this helpful in this month of the Immaculate Heart. I seem to be in a vast meadow with a huge crowd of boys who are fighting, swearing, stealing, and doing other blameworthy things. The air was thick with flying stones, hurled by youngsters who were fighting. They were all abandoned boys, devoid of moral principles. I was about to turn away when I saw a lady beside me. Go among those boys, she said, and work. I approached them, but what could I do? I had no place to gather them, but I wanted to help them. I kept turning to some people who were watching from a distance and who could have come to my aid, but no one paid attention or gave me any assistance. I then turned to the lady. Here is a place, she said, and pointed to a meadow. That's only a meadow, I said. She replied, My son and his apostles did not even have a place to lay their heads. See the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, verse 20. I began to work in that meadow, counseling, preaching, hearing confessions, but I saw that almost all my efforts were in vain. I had to have some building where I could gather and house those abandoned by their parents and those despised and rejected by society. Then the lady led me a little farther to the north and said, Look. I did so and saw a small church with a low roof, a small courtyard, and a great number of boys. I resumed my work, but since the church was becoming too small, I again appealed to the lady, and she pointed out another church, much larger, and a house adjacent to it. Then she took me closer to a field that was tilled and that almost opposite the facade of this new church. In this place, she added, where the glorious martyrs of Turin, Adventor, and Octavius suffered martyrdom, on these clods soaked and sanctified by their blood, I wish that God be honored in a very special manner. So saying, she put out her foot and pointed to the exact spot where the martyrs had fallen. I wanted to leave a marker there so as to find the place again when I returned, but I could not see a single stick or stone. Nevertheless, I kept the place clearly in mind. It coincides exactly with the inner corner of the chapel of the holy martyrs, previously known as St. Anne's Chapel. It is the front left corner as one faces the main altar of the Church of Mary, help of Christians. In the meantime, I found myself being surrounded by a vast and ever-increasing number of boys, but as I kept looking to the lady, the premises and the means were also growing accordingly. I then saw a very grand church on the exact spot she had pointed out as the place where the soldiers of the Theban Legion had been martyred. 
There were a great many buildings all around, and in the center stood a beautiful monument. While these things were taking place, and I was still dreaming, I saw that priests and clerics were helping me, but after a while they left. I tried everything to get others to stay, but after a while they too left me alone. Then I turned once more to the lady for help. Do you want to know what to do to keep them? She, she asked. Take this ribbon and bind their foreheads with it. Reverently, I took the white ribbon from her hand and noticed the word obedience written on it. I immediately gave it a try and began to bind the foreheads of these volunteers. The ribbon worked wonders. As I went ahead with the mission entrusted to me, all my helpers gave up their idea of leaving me and stayed on. Thus was our congregation born. I saw a great many other things, but there is no need to relate them now. Suffice it to say that ever since, I have walked on sure ground as regards the oratories, the congregation, and the manner of dealing with outsiders, irrespective of their position. I have already foreseen all the difficulties that will arise, and I know how to overcome them. I can see perfectly, bit by bit, what is to take place, and I can go forward without hesitation. It was only after I had seen in dreams, churches, schools, playgrounds, boys, clerics, and priests helping me, and I had learned how to advance the entire apostolate, that I began to mention it to others and speak of it as a reality. That is why so many people thought that I was talking foolishly and believed that I had completely lost it. If you want to read more of this for yourself, and you can find his dreams outlined in his old book, The Biographical Memoirs, which I'm pretty sure you can find on Google Books if you look hard enough. I think the lesson here, especially from the second one, is the sense of right-ordered obedience. And what was it being used for? To persist in spreading the gospel. Something for us to ruminate on, I think, these days. Anyway, thank you for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.